My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, What are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you so we can give an answer to those who sent us? What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ? or Elijah, or the prophet. Jesus answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Growing up, my Jewish friends and I would invariably get into the annual Who's Got the Better Holiday competition between Hanukkah and Christmas around this time. They would share extraordinary stories of how during the second century before Christ, a group of Jews known as the Maccabees led this fierce revolt against their foreign invaders, after which they had rededicated their temple. The Maccabees only had enough oil to light the unique candle holder called the menorah for one day, yet that small supply miraculously burned for as many as eight days. And as a result, my lucky Jewish friends would get gifts for eight nights, while we Christians would only get gifts on Christmas Day, although us Italian Christians got Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Thankfully, we observed that usually by day six or seven, their gifts usually included socks or underwear, so we always felt that we had it a little bit better. In hindsight, our families deprived neither my Jewish friends nor my Christian friends, myself included. Anyway, apart from that, learning the song Dreidel, Dreidel, Dreidel in elementary school, for the most part, that kind of summed up my understanding of Hanukkah. But this past week, as as Jews worldwide celebrated Hanukkah, a rabbi friend shared this striking photo of the menorah that I remembered first seeing just a few years ago. Initially, what caught my attention was that it was in black and white. These days, we're so accustomed to colorful photos and videos and gifts 
that just the sheer simplicity of it made you want to stop your thumb from scrolling and just to pause. But then when you began to focus on the picture, you could see the Nazi flag in the background. And as told by the New York Times back in 2017, the story explained how this picture came from the home of Rabbi Akiva Posner and his wife Rachel. The Posner's witness was compelling in explaining how the holiday, and equally importantly, this display, was more important than my friends may have led me to believe growing up. Since this glorious miracle first took place all those centuries ago, God had directed his chosen people to publicize it by by sharing the menorah to ensure that people could see it clearly across marketplaces or through the windows of their homes. The menorah was another clear sign of God's relationship with his people. However, in times of danger and persecution, which sadly the Jewish people have not been alien to, and somewhat dumbfounding to us living these oh-so-progressive and enlightened times and places again here in 2023, right here in the United States, are experiencing once again, which should be of great shame, concern, and a movement of action for all of us. The Jewish people have been told that by their leaders that in times of persecution, they could light their candles in private. But the Posners would forego that loophole as the rise of Nazism ended up having this firm grip on their homeland. On the eve of the Germans' attempt to exterminate the Jews in the Shoah, which many refer to as the Holocaust, which resulted in the murder of a staggering six million Jews, which was equivalent to two-thirds of the entire Jewish population, this family had the courage of conviction to proudly exhibit the menorah in public, for the world to see, as this picture captured. Rachel Posner had taken this photograph, and she scribbled on the back, Death to Judah, so the flag says. Judah will live forever, so the light answers. What gave the Posners this supernatural faith, the elusive conviction that they dared to remain defiant in the face of an overbearing evil that threatened to consume them all. We get some idea of what nourishes that kind of faith in our first reading today. The prophet Isaiah represents one of the most important prophets to Jews and Christians alike. In this passage, he's speaking to his fellow Jews who are struggling on multiple counts. They're struggling because God had given them Ten Commandments, commands meant to safeguard their happiness, commands meant to specify how to be in appropriate relationship with God and with one another. The Jews back then, just like you and I today, often found it difficult to follow these commandments with sincerity. And as a result, they struggled to deal with the ramifications of those bad choices. All actions have consequences, whether we like them or not. They were also struggling with the fact that they had lost their homes. They had been enslaved. They had suffered brutalities and abuses and humiliations. 
And now, when they had finally broken free of the shackles of pain and suffering and were excited about their homecoming, they found their home in utter ruins. And in that moment of trial, they once again had to have had doubts and questions and fears asking, where are you, God? To that understandable cry, the Lord responds. God does look after his people. He never forsakes them, even when it might seem or feel that way. His people will never be defeated. And so we hear today that it's God who sends Isaiah to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and release to prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord, and a day of vindication by our God. God will save his people. To those who experience all of those sufferings, this reminder that God was with them enabled them to begin that long, complicating rebuilding process. And the Jews whom Pope St. John Paul II beautifully referred to as our elder brothers and sisters in the covenant, have dared to believe these prophecies quite remarkably. They've taken solace in them during times of struggle and continue to do so even to this day, trusting that God would always remain faithful to their covenant. Judah will live forever, so the light answers. This third Sunday of Advent, our ancestors in the faith and our shared heritage of the prophet Isaiah calls us as Catholic Christians to recognize that battle between good and evil continues unabated. There's still plenty of suffering for God's people as we see and hear on our news feeds to this very day where anti-Semitic views and expressions and displays are being treated as reasonable and needing to be respected as a form of speech. And there's evidence of evil inflicted on those of us, the children of the new covenant. But we also have with us a beacon of unshakable hope and everlasting peace. Today's gospel recounts John the Baptist poignantly pointing at the light. It's the light of good that conquers evil with love. It's the light of love that overcomes hatred. The shining light of life through which we are eternally led out of the clutches of darkness and death. The light that emboldens us to live forever with our Lord. Yet it is that light which fulfills all those beautiful, uplifting words that the prophet Isaiah first uttered and breathes life into them as John the Baptist points to the light being Jesus the Christ, the Anointed One. And just like our Jewish brothers and sisters are mandated to boldly proclaim the miracle of the Festival of Lights of Hanukkah, John the Baptist has given us specific tasks for us to perform with utmost conviction. We're to carve a straight road for Christ and transform these parched deserts around us with the bountiful harvest of peace. We're ordained to make that light of his comforting presence through our lives, known to all. And as always is the case, that begins 
most locally, most personally, most intimately in each of our hearts. John the Baptist, the greatest and final of all the prophets, the forerunner to Jesus, in the dramatic manner of life that he lived and all the poetic language that he used, is giving us action items, calling for a repentance, a change of heart, a change of life, where I seriously confront these, these mountains of arrogance and pride, these valleys of sin and failure that maybe I've ignored, but have been causing me distress, causing me anxiety, have left me feeling isolated from others, and perhaps even feeling that God is distant from me. But to hear this call and to start leveling them, start filling them in, in order to get my mind and my heart straight, focused on meeting God, on welcoming Jesus Christ, and responding to his light. That's not just an Advent Christmas thing. That's an everyday thing as his disciples. But in a very particular way, this time of year, where we physically experience a more significant amount of darkness every day, which seems to reflect many people's personal experience or their view of the world, it's no coincidence that both Jews and Christians are celebrating holidays that incorporate light in our displays and in our decorations. That's not just to dress things up and cover up things and make them look nicer in a dreary season. That's meant to help shift our perspective with one week and one day to Christmas as so many of those preparations for so many beautiful traditions that can also distract us. Maybe we can let them be things to remind us as a prompt for what the spiritual transformation Advent is calling us to. Pope Benedict once challenged us very beautifully with words that I come back to every Christmas season because it captures so beautifully and perfectly what this all means. He said, let us remember in particular, as we look at the streets and squares of the cities decorated with dazzling lights, that these lights refer us to another light, invisible to the eyes, but not to the heart. And while we admire them, while we light candles in churches or the illuminations of the crib or our Christmas trees in our homes, may our souls be open to the true spiritual light brought to all people of goodwill. The God with us, born in Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary, is the star of our lives. May this star of light that never sets Communicate to us the strength to follow always the path of truth, justice, and love.